Game on the line, you can bet we take them. Go black and gold, black and gold. Don't stop, boy. We trying to win the Super Bowl. We, we rock and roll, rock and roll. Touchdown, go Saints. We gonna do it some more. We, we rock and roll, rock and roll. Touchdown, go Saints. Now nah, give me some more. Now nah, who that? Who Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Really do appreciate your time. Shouts out to everybody in the chat. Shouts out to everyone listening around the country or around the world. And uh, thank you all so much for those that checked out yesterday's episode of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, that got a little bit controversial. I, I, I can't believe that we got a little controversial on the State of the Saints podcast. Um, some of the comments that I made in regards to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, they went viral. I can't believe this. They actually went viral. Uh, actually, C.J. Gardner-Johnson picked them up. Um, I didn't expect that, but uh, hey, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes you, you say something and a lot of people may agree with it. Some people won't, but that's what I love about this show. That's what I love about it is the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter if you agree or not. You know, it's the fact that we're all, uh, you know, creating, you know, conversation. And that's the most important thing. And that's what I love about it. It's not about trying to create shock value. It's not about trying to just act like you're, you know, one of those other people out there trying to be a contrarian, but just, you know, having conversations and, Sometimes, you know, when you have those type of conversations, they go viral. Um, but, man, thank you all so much for being here. I really do appreciate that. Uh, we got a special guest later on. Uh, we got Jameis One of One coming to the show. Uh, has some information that he wants to share with the Who That Nation. Uh, so we definitely are going to give him an opportunity to do that. Um, also, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Jonathan Abram to get us started. Jonathan Abram. A lot of you probably know him, especially if you follow SEC football. And if you're from Mississippi, you probably your cousin. <laughs> but uh, Jonathan Abram is a 26-year-old safety. Uh, he came out of Mississippi State. He was a first-round uh, draft pick a couple of years back uh, by the Raiders. Um, Jonathan Abram uh, reminds me a lot of Kenny Vaccaro. Um, you know, the, the style that he plays, uh, he's a really physical safety. Um, he's a guy that, 
if he can stay healthy, can be a really good player for the New Orleans Saints. That's the thing, and that has been the issue throughout Jonathan Abram's career. Jonathan Abram cannot stay healthy, uh, but when he has stayed healthy uh, back in 2021, in 14 games, he had 116 total tackles, 64 solo, um, and uh, he had a really good, solid season. But, of course, uh, you know, um, throughout his uh, years, 22 uh, you know, he only played in eight games for the Raiders. Uh, he had a, played in two games because I think he ended up uh, getting released by the Raiders, getting picked up by Green Bay. And uh, he also played a little bit with Seattle, uh, playing five games. So if you combine that, that was an entire season. So if he can replicate uh, some of the things that, you know, from last season, then, you know, the Saints can have a really good find. Uh, he's a guy that's unapologetic. He's a guy that, kind of chirps off a little bit. He he talks quite a bit. Um, you know, he, he's very sure about himself. And um, I think that he will be a really good fit uh, for the New Orleans Saints if he stays healthy. I think that you're looking at uh, some of the signings that the Saints have, Lonnie Johnson Jr., uh, Ugo uh, Amadi, and now Jonathan Abram, I think is pretty much a, a, a clear indication that the Saints may not be bringing back P.J. Williams. And, I cannot believe I'm saying this, especially since uh, some of my greatest rants of all time involved P.J. Williams uh, not being, you know, what we want him to be. But P.J. Williams definitely has changed the narrative of how I feel about him as a player. I have a lot of respect for P.J. Williams. If I'm mad enough to go out there and, and, and coin the phrase smoke like brisket, burnt like a biscuit because of P.J. Williams, I can be mad enough to say that I, I am sorry and I was wrong. You know what I'm saying? I didn't think that he was ever going to be a solid player in the National Football League back in the day around 2018, but he definitely has proven me wrong. Um, if this is his last time in the Saints uniform, I definitely feel like there's room and there's a place for P.J. Williams to continue his career in the National Football League. Once again, got a lot of respect for him, and uh, no matter what happens with P.J., uh, he definitely is always going to be a saint to me, okay? So, um, but these young guys, I mean, you're looking at the Saints. The Saints are trying to get younger defensively. A lot of these guys that they're picking up, um, these guys are still in their mid uh, to late 20s. Uh, so they still got a lot of game play uh, to go down inside of them, right? You know, like you still got Saunders, who, who is relatively young. Uh, you got uh, Nathan Shepard, who's young. Uh, you got Lonnie Johnson uh, Jr., who's young. Jonathan Abrams is young. So the Saints are definitely trying to make their defense younger. And based on some of the guys that they're getting, they definitely want their defense to be extremely physical. So Jonathan Abrams signing a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he can actually do and bring to the table. I, I like him a lot. Once again, if he stays healthy, he can be a solid player. He can be a very, very solid player for the New Orleans Saints. And um, need I say he would be, a, a you know, one of those players that can be around for a good little minute. Like I said, he's only 26 years old. So maybe this one-year deal can turn into something a little bit more longer if he plays uh, up to the, the standards that we know for some of those that follow Jonathan Abram can play. Uh, let's see who that, TJ. Grateful to be able to catch a live. Pop, thank you very much for being here. Said uh, I, I saw C.J. Garner-Johnson tweet that. Yeah, I mean, I was shocked. Like, honestly, I, I didn't 
normally when I'm I'm sending out stuff, I will put a person's name or their, their Twitter handle, not the fact that I want them to see it. It's, it's more so that, you know, a lot of people may not know these people's like Twitter handles and stuff like that. There's a lot of people that, that reach out or, or email me and be like, man, appreciate you, you know, tagging that, that person because I, I was trying to find them on Twitter. So that that was kind of like my whole entire idea. I didn't expect for him to like pick it up and it, it just become the topic of conversation like it did. But hey, man, and uh, he also started following me on Twitter, you know, so man, shots out. Look, I have, like I said, I have no issue with CJ Gardner Johnson at all. I mean, if you do, I'm not telling you to change your mind about it at all. I mean, I think when people, I think when people see me have takes or they see a person having a take, I well, I can't speak for everybody. I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not one of those people that just, oh, I'm just right and nobody else have an opinion about the situation. I'm I'm okay with people disagreeing. I have no problem with that. I feel people are like, man, I, I disagree with what you're saying. That's fine. Because I'm not trying to trying to make everything I say gospel. I, I'm just giving my opinions. And sometimes, you know, people can take that as if I'm just trying to be the smartest person in the room. I'm not. I, I just gave my opinion about how I felt about the guy. And also what I feel about the reason why people feel the way they do towards him. I mean, could be right, could be wrong. Uh, what was his response, TJ? Well, it wasn't really a response. He just kind of retweeted it and, you know, just told, you know, gave me like this, I guess, like the speak emoji. Like, man, he, he's speaking, he's telling the truth, I guess. Um, but, man, I didn't expect for it to, like, you know, blow up the way that it did. Let's see. Uh, question, TJ. What do the free agent signings tell you about the future offensive and defensive direction of the Saints? Well, uh, Barbara, I kind of like touched on it a little bit. It seems to me like they're trying to get younger. It, it, they're trying to get younger defensively, but also they're trying to keep their core players for leadership purposes, right? Um, you, you extend Demario Davis because you're trying to get younger, but you also need some 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 leaders in that locker room, right, to be able to keep these young boys, you know, head focused on the the, the task at hand, right? So. They, they they are getting younger, but they're also trying to keep their core players still intact so they can be able to teach these younger players how to be professional. So um, I just think that they're trying to get younger and I also think that they're trying to get physical as well. You know, it, you know, you're bringing a guy like Jonathan Abram. He's a physical guy. You bring in a guy like Lonnie Johnson Jr. He's a physical guy. Uh, Ugo Amadi, he, he is a really good special teams player. Right. You know, so. It seems like to me like they're trying to they're trying to get a little bit more physical and they're also trying to get a little bit more faster defensively. So that's what it's telling me. I'm glad we got enough talent for PJ to be off the team. I also said smoke Monday. Look, man, the more safeties that come up in here, you know, it's just going to make it harder for a guy like smoke Monday to make the team. Uh, smoke Monday, more than likely, if he's going to make the team, it's probably going to be on special teams um you know that i mean i like i said this guy's gonna have to prove it it, it takes more than just a name and you know a, a video on tiktok to get you some playing time right i mean the fan base are like you you know because of that but that's not going to pay the bills that's not going to get you that big time contract and that's not going to get you seeing the field so 
I mean, he got to go out there and, and put the work in. I mean, he missed the entire season last season. So he, he's playing a little bit from behind. He was already a undrafted rookie. So yeah, you got to play catch up. And hopefully, you know, he can go out there and maybe do some things to maybe get some playing time. But to me, I think it's going to start on special teams based on the, the safeties they sign and uh, the direction the team is going in. Uh, I like the signing, but it takes more than a good signing. You got to win games and the coaches need to improve massively. Yeah, I mean, all this is for not if they don't win, right? If they don't win any games or if they don't uh, live up to the expectations that we have for them right now based on what they brought in, then it's just a waste of time. So you got to be able to put this thing together in order for you to be able to be successful, to get to that, that final goal, which is, you know, the Super Bowl. Like if you or a team like the Saints have been out here aggressively trying to go for it, you're telling your fan base, you're telling the who that nation, you're telling guys in your locker room, and you're telling your coaching staff that you're talking about going to the Super Bowl. So that's the way that's the way it got to go. But you got to be able to put it together. Um, let's see. Uh, it says, uh, what's the context of the tweet? Well, I mean, if you go to TJ Jones 8, TJY Jones 8 on Twitter, um, it, it's up there. You know, it's up there. You can you can check it out and, and see what see what I said. I won't keep go all into it. Um, it was on the episode that took place on yesterday. And shouts out to everybody that checked out yesterday's episode. Uh pretty good, man. I was off yesterday, so I was able to do the show in my backyard, but uh, because of how I'm positioned and I didn't have any a ring light or anything like that in my face, yeah, I look like one of them people. You ever seen like one of them investigation uh, shows and they be having a person blacked out with the distorted voice? That's what I look like. I, I didn't have the distorted voice, but I look like one of them people that was snitching on somebody. And I didn't want everybody to know about it. <laughs> but uh, but I, I enjoyed being outside and ha- and I had a really good time, man. And shouts out to everybody. Uh, that was uh, on that episode, man, making the show a success, as always. On paper, we look great on both sides of the field. I hope it translates to the field. We all know that, you know, and I and I said this, man, I said it. You know, when people were talking about this last year, and I'm not trying to tap myself on the back, but I, I, when people were telling, man, we got this, we got that, we got this and that, I was like, if we playing Madden, and we good. I said, but you got to be able to put this thing together, right? It, it looked good on paper. If we simulated the season, we will probably be in a playoffs, Super Bowl or something like that. But that's not the way it goes. You got to be able to put this thing together on the field. And if you can't do that, no matter who you got, you're going to get the same result. So the coaches got to be on one accord. The players got to be in sync. And, every, and you got to win that battle of attrition, which the Saints have been losing for the last three years, if they can get that together, then, you know, at least they can be a playoff team. You think the Saints plan to get a bit smaller and quicker on the D line? Well, look, that's, that's the name of the game today. You know, you, to have those speedy edge rushers, right? But I do think the Saints are trying to go in that direction. I think they're trying to get faster and I think they're trying to get younger defensively. And uh, you should, you know, because the modern, the modern day NFL, is different from years past. I, I think that guys like Tom Brady, you know, that was, when he retired, uh, that was a symbolism of the changing of the guards. I mean, you still got some pocket passers, but you, you're rarely seeing guys that can 
can't run out of the pocket or can't scramble for some extra yards. And you're going to see more guys that are going to have that ability because now you're going to see a younger generation that are going to be growing, growing up of, on Patrick Mahomes, on Russell Wilson, on Lamar Jackson, and everybody going to be trying to replicate that. So you're going to see younger, you're going to see more and more quarterbacks that are going to have that ability to be able to escape the pocket. And they're going to, they're going to be able to beat that defensive end off the edge. So you want to get yourself, you know, some of these uh, edge rushers, the guys that may not be as, as large as somebody like, you know, the six foot six, six foot seven, 280 pound defensive ends, but uh, they, they have that speed to be able to run down the running backs, to be able to run down the quarterbacks and be able to, you know, get sideline to sideline as well. So you definitely want to be able to adapt to the times or you're going to find yourself being lost in time. Y'all like that, huh? I think it's time to give DA some credit. Uh, he gets his share of blame but he must be doing something right to attract the caliber of players. Yeah, Rob, I said it. You know, I, I mean, I, I've made uh, quite a few songs and uh, <laughs> and the parodies about uh, D.A. It's all in fun at the end of the day. Um, when they decided to bring him back, I, basically, I already conceded and said to get a guy an opportunity. Saying he need to get fired, I mean, it's, it's not going to prove anything. It's not going to enhance the, the team or or whatever so but what he is doing he's doing a really good job at bringing guys in and if it don't work for Dennis Allen um maybe he need to consider being a college coach because it, it, he's been recruiting some good guys you know like the guy when when some of these free agents for the most part when they yeah for the most part when they go into the Saints facility they come out with a contract. So he's telling them something or Mickey is telling them something or the combination of the coaching staff are telling them something. Like, I, I must admit, he is a much better sales pitcher than Sean Payton is. Like, Sean Payton, he brings somebody in, and I don't know if they're going to get him. But uh, for Dennis Allen, they, they brought in Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew became a saint. They brought in Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry became a saint. So um, the jury's still out about uh, Foster Monroe and, you know, saying maybe, you know, you got Derek Carr. He came in the facility. I mean, so D.A. is doing a really good job at getting these guys here. Like I said, if it don't work out on a professional level, maybe college is is his calling because, you know, you got to be able to talk that talk in order to get some of those four and five star athletes. Uh, You're right, T.J., about uh, being mobile is a must now. Well, look. You don't have to be Lamar. You don't have to be Vic, but you have to be able to get away sometimes and be able to scramble outside the pocket to pick up that first down when a, when a team is playing man-to-man coverage and most of the defense have their back turned. You know, you can get those five or those six yards with, with a slide. You got to be able to do that. Like like Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow is – I consider him a pocket passer, but – if if the lane is open, Joe Burrow gonna run for it. I mean, we seen it in the game versus Joe Burrow when they they came to the Superdome, right? Like it was wide open, he just ran it in for a touchdown. So um, yeah, I mean, you gotta have that ability. You can't just be back there like a, a statue, like Rob Johnson or Tom Brady or something like that. You know, you you gotta be able to uh, you gotta be able to escape from time to time and, and pick up that first down when you know when when necessary. 
TJ, would it be smart to move Taysom to fullback, keep him on the field without removing Carr? What do you think? Um, look, I think the way the Saints use Taysom Hill is, is pretty good. You know, I don't want to put him in a box. And that's something that you you shouldn't want, these. You shouldn't want him to be in a box. The fact that Taysom Hill can do a plethora of things is a plus for the New Orleans Saints. It helps them, and it also keeps the defense guessing. Uh, but right now, um, I want to uh, introduce our guest. Uh, he has uh, made his way uh, to the to the room. Um, he's been on the show two times. Uh, he's always uh, very informative. Um, you know, he always... Uh, gives us really good content. He also gives us something to think about. And um, he's here today to talk to us a little bit about Jameis Winston. Um, I wanted to introduce you all to uh, Jameis One of One. How you doing? How you doing, brother? It's great to be here. Uh, thank you so much for your time, man. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, thank you for stopping by the State of the Saints podcast to talk to us and uh, give us some information in regards to uh, Jameis Winston. Well, yeah, listen, I, I, I do plan. I mean, usually I'm always, uh, you know, real careful what I say because I know it's listened to uh, mm-hmm. by the Saints brass and, <laughs> and players and stuff like that. But I'm mm-hmm. about to go all in like I've never gone all in before. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to act, you know, like my insane trolls and start cursing or being crude and classic. I, I despise that sort of behavior. Yeah. It doesn't even mean I'm going to act like biased media members or emotional fans who value subjective narratives over objective data. But it does mean I'm going to go all in in my own logical database, fact-based way uh, than I ever have before. So your your audience can get the popcorn ready and uh, can fire off questions and critiques they have at me because uh, I'm sure some will disagree with what I'm saying. But I can back everything up with data, with logic, with history, with you know historical comparables, all that stuff. Yeah. So, and what I'm really hoping for is that some of the NOLA media hop in the chat. I I sort of doubt they will because I don't think any of them want to want to challenge me on anything I say. Um, but since I posted that tweet saying that I'm coming on here, saying that I plan to blast nonstop, um, I got DMs from a bunch of them. And they said they'll listen. I don't, I don't think any of them will actually get into the chat and engage, but they said they'll listen. So, um, you know, and before I start, I will just say, like, I love all the New Orleans media. I love mm-hmm. all media. I don't envy the jobs that any of you guys have um, because I know you you work hard, all of you. All of you work hard to build your brand, build relationships earn respect to the players, especially the brass of the team that you cover, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know most media members definitely don't want to have, you know, their press credentials stripped or or be looked at by the organization they cover as a, as a boat rocket rabble rouser sort of thing. Right. So I get it. Um, you know, I, I fed some media last year some direct questions that I would hope was hoping that they would ask Dennis Allen in press conferences. Mm-hmm. And the, the answer I got was, we can't. And And I'm like, well, what do you mean you can't? You can ask whatever you want. Well, yeah, yeah, we can ask whatever we want, but we can't ask that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it, it all boiled down to they didn't want to get their credentials stripped. They don't want to be phased out. Um, and I understand that. But right. at the same time, you know, I wish I wish some of them would. Um, and most media members, I mean, maybe not most, but at least quite a few aren't stupid, right? They, right. they, they know that the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. So for right. the most part, they, they basically pair others' narratives and they don't stray too far from the popular prevailing narratives. They want to be accepted by their peers. They don't mm-hmm. have any interest in going against the grain and being left on an island all alone. Um, probably in large part because most of them, they can't actually debate, right? Like on more than a high school level, they can't adequately defend their positions with data, facts, history, logic. Because they're not well-researched enough to do that. They, they'll right. specialize in certain things. Like Underhill's a good example. He'll do some really good work, and he can defend that work, right? Because he crunches the numbers and he knows what he's talking about. 
Right. But even Nick or just anyone that that you talk to about stuff that they haven't truly researched, like, I mean, they're out of their depth and it's not their fault. They just haven't looked into that area. And so a lot of the stuff that I talk about and that I get into, the media won't challenge because they, they haven't done the work. They don't know what I'm talking about. They can't, right. you know, they can't debate it that way. Um, so, I mean, in short, like the media, they're all stuck in a rat race like most people are, right? They're, they're trying to climb the ladder. They're trying to make a, a name for themselves. And I get it. Um, but I am not most people. I'm not running the same sort of rat race others are. I don't care one bit if I upset people by speaking the truth. I don't need one more friend than I already have. I'm not yeah. seeking anyone's approval other than God's, let alone some employers. So I just do what I do, right? I'm, I'm an Orthodox Christian theologian, sports author, and self-employed businessman. And I just tell the truth whether people want to hear it or not. That's who I am. That's what I do. If people don't like it, I certainly do not care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I completely understand. And, you know, I can relate to that. You know, I, I basically kind of built, you know, State of Saints podcast along with so many uh, different people in the chat. I mean, we just try to be as honest as, as we possibly can. You know, I'm not one of those individuals that like to sugarcoat situations. I definitely understand like how, you know, people, how, how hard it is, you know, to kind of break through that, that, that media world and stuff like that. Um, I got a lot of respect for a lot of members of, of the Saints media. You know, I've had opportunities, you know, to interact with quite a few of them, nothing but, you know, respect. But let me, let me ask you this. Um, you, 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 you uh, talked a little bit about some questions that, that you wanted the media to ask uh, Dennis Allen during press conferences. That's my first question to you. Like, can you give us examples of some of the questions or maybe one of the questions that you wanted uh, asked to DA that didn't get uh, answered uh, due to, I guess it's a uh, controversial, <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, the controversy behind it or something like what, what, what are your thoughts on it? Sure. I mean, a lot of it had to deal with the injury and DA spin on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So when it happened leading up to that Vikings game, this was the first game Jameis was going to miss. DA made it really clear. Jameis was hurt. He was going to the bench because he was hurt and they turned back to him afterward. Like he made it right. super clear. That was, that was the deal. However, of course, as time mm -hmm. went on, the thing is DA didn't reveal the, the injuries or how serious they were. Right. Nobody's coming right. back a week later from four broken vertebrae. Nobody's coming back a week later, even from a ruptured perennial tendon. So DA didn't reveal that. And as time went on, DA moved off of the Jameis isn't healthy narrative to, oh, we like Andy. He's doing good. We'll stick with him as an offensive decision. Right. And I knew from what happened, you know, both behind the scenes, uh, on the flight, you know, and with the injuries, DA was lying through his teeth. Mm -hmm. And so I told some of the media members, just, I didn't, I didn't even reveal Jameis's injuries. I just said, ask this question, this question, injury related. Mm. And, and they wouldn't do it. And I think probably because most people knew the injuries were worse than reported, even if they didn't know what they were. Right. So when DA just kept lying and kept lying and, and he wasn't retracting, that's when I leaked to Underhill that Jameis ruptured his tendon. Right. right? And it was Jameis's own family that leaked to Jay Glazer that Jameis broke his back because DA was covering all that up. Mm. And that was in order to make himself look good. And then of course he was able to scapegoat Jameis, but had he just told the truth right away, the whole media would have been like, what are you doing starting this kid with four broken vertebrae? And mm -hmm. then after starting them with that, what in the world are you doing putting them back into the game after he ruptured his tendon on top of four broken vertebrae? Mm -hmm. So I was feeding these type of questions. And then I'd also sometimes feed just data questions. Like when DA will say things, um, in fact, one of them was DA talked about how they liked what Andy was doing in the red zone and on oh, third downs, right? Mm -hmm. So I quickly crunched the numbers on all that. Jameis 
blows Andy Dalton away on both third downs over the course of their career and over the course of their Saints career and on in the red zone. Like, it's not remotely close. So if that's what Dennis is spinning, that we're going to keep Jameis on the bench, we're going to start Andy because we like what Andy's doing in red zone on third downs, that either makes Dennis Allen a complete moron who doesn't know the data at all mm. or it just means he's lying, right? And nobody's fact-checking him. Right. So these are some of the things that I that I wanted to ask. And I, I tried to word the questions in a in a nice way, but of course, just the question in and of itself puts Dennis on the spot. Dennis can't really answer that question. It's going to make him look stupid. Mm. And so nobody wanted to ask. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I understand that. Um, yeah. I just don't like it, right? <laughs> if, I, if I was in the room, I, I would grill this. Right? Yeah. Um, so I did, I did uh, DM you real quick the, the first graphic, if, if, if it's possible that you can put that up on the screen. Okay. All right. Let me see. All right. I'm going to put it up here. Oh, well, while I'm, while I'm putting it up here, I do, I do want to um, ask you something else. Sure. You know, since, since, um, you know, you feel like there was some cover up, um, do you feel like there was some sabotage or something like that in, in the air? Well, when it comes to Jameis Winston, like maybe Jameis Winston wasn't Dennis Allen's first choice. So the first line of trouble, no matter what it was, he was quick to yank him. Do you think that, you know, he never wanted Jameis to be his start in the first place? Did the, did the, did the Winston family feel their way? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's clear that Dennis didn't want Jameis as a starter. Jameis was Sean's guy. It wasn't Dennis's guy, right? Mm-hmm. And Dennis wanted to make a name for himself, wanted his own guy, pursued Deshaun Watson. Not a big deal. He, he, you know, he was considered top three to top five talent at the quarterback position. So that's not really an insult. It's like when the Bucks moved off Jameis for Tom Brady. That's not an right. insult. People want to make it an insult, but that's insane, right? Brady's mm-hmm. considered the GOAT by pretty much everybody. So right. that's not an insult. Um, and even DA wanting to move off Jameis for Deshaun Woodson, I, I don't view that as an insult. Um, but I no, I don't think that there was sabotage in regards to the season, right? I mean, going into the season, Dennis had a fully healthy Andy Dalton, and he had Jameis, who was already still rehabbing the ACL and on a gimpy ankle. Right. And he started Jameis because he felt Jameis gave him the best chance to win, go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, that first week, you know, Jameis led the, the largest fourth quarter comeback in Saints history finished the game with 111 passer rating, which is elite. They yeah. won, and he had a perfect passer rating fourth quarter. And so, you know, Dennis saw that and said, okay, well, yeah, even Jameis at maybe 75 80%, it's better than Andy at 100. Let's roll him out there the next week. The mm. problem is Jameis broke his back in that game. You yeah. shouldn't have rolled him out the next week. But, of right. course, it's against Tampa, and Jameis is also pushing to play, which he shouldn't mm. have done, but he did. And I, and I get it. You know, he wanted to play Tampa. So mm. then he puts him in that Tampa game. And they have the lead in the third quarter. This is when Mark Ingram fumbled. And I love Mark, but, you know, that's what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jameis ruptured his perennial tendon. That reduces, you know, movement. That that, that really messes with you. It can almost mess with you more than the back, right? It affects everything. Yeah. And when that happened, he should have been taken out of the game. The Saints were winning. Jameis still didn't have a single turnover on the whole season, Mm. right? And Dennis put him back in the game. Yeah. Well, we know what happened. Jameis, like Breeze's last game, you know, threw three picks in that second half and they lost. Right. The next week, then there's a decision to be made, right? So you've got Jameis on a broken back with a ruptured parano ten, and you've got Andy 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. And Andy had gone through camp in preseason with pretty much all the QB1 snaps because Jameis was still rehabbing his ACL. Yeah. So you've got a decision to make there. And I think at that moment, Jameis should have been put on IR. Hmm. I, I don't believe he was really pushing to play the Panthers game. He had a broken back. He had the ruptured tendon. Dalton was healthy. He could have been put on IR, and I think he should have been. 
Yeah. Dennis Dennis wanted them to start that game. He started that game. I mean, he wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. You know, I think he had 350 some yards, one touchdown, mm-hmm. two picks. And even Dennis at the end of the game said the picks weren't really on him. It was just situation we were trying to get back in the game. Right. You know, Kamara had a fumble six that game. So stuff happened, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Dennis all along viewed Jameis even at 75-80%. And of course, he started them with the back and ankle. So maybe Jameis at 55% yeah. as better than Dalton at 100. Yeah. But once Jameis did go to the bench to get healthy, it was clear the kid's got a broken back and a ruptured tendon. He's not going to be right this season. Mm. And so yeah. at that point, who's the quarterback the rest of the entire way through? It's Andy. Yeah. So what does Dennis start doing? He starts spinning all pro Andy stuff. Andy's our guy. Andy's good. We like what he's doing in the red zone. We like third downs. He even lies about Jameis's health and says we're going to stick with Andy as an offensive decision, all to sort of prop Andy up as we believe in him. But what it does at the same time is it denigrates Jameis. It makes Jameis the scapegoat when he's got the broken back. I mean, how in the world are you telling the world that he's healthy? Like, that's insane, right? So, Dennis, 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 I'm going to cut you off, but why why dress him? Like, okay, if he he was in that type of situation, you know, and he was was injured, why did the Saints, like – have them out there week after week dress like wh- whose idea was that like you know so everybody like it, it was the indication that andy was doing so well you know and even though Jameis is dressed we still going to allow andy to do that my question is why did Jameis become okay with it why why would he allow why would he why would he get dressed every single week to be on the sidelines, you gotta be, you gotta keep it real, Jameis one on one. I mean, the optics don't look good. Well, I mean, for Jameis going back all the way forever, right? That that's who he is. I mean, in Tampa, in that 2019 season, Mike Evans and Godwin shut it down for the year. Mm. When they when they were out of the playoff race and it was done, right. they both shut it down for the year. Jameis had a broken, a severely broken thumb on his throwing hand mm. and a torn meniscus. He played every game. There, there was no reason that after the 14th game of the season, they were sitting at seven and seven, but they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, right? Mm. Jameis was number one in the NFL by a mile in yards. And at that time, either number one or number two in touchdowns with Lamar. And he had a broken hand. He had a torn meniscus and Mike and Chris are they're, they're taking the, the season off. Chris played a little bit of the next game, but Mike took the season off at, after that. Mm-hmm. Jameis could have just shut it down himself. He was coming off two games where he was the first quarterback in NFL history to have back-to-back 450-yard, four-touchdown games. Nobody's ever done that. Nobody still has ever done that, right? And Jameis won both of those games. He could have shut it down. Arians wanted him to play. He shouldn't have. He should have said, no, I'm good. Because even if the Bucs would have moved off him for Brady at that point, he would have been a hot free agent because he's not throwing the 30 interceptions in that scenario, right? Mm -hmm. He's he's barely – I think he would have had maybe one more on the season than than Phillip Rivers, who got $25 So, but Arians wanted him to play, Jameis played. Yeah. I mean, DA wanted him to dress, Jameis dressed. Like, he, he's a yes coach kid. Even the interview that he gave to Triplett, he did not throw DA under the bus. Triplett had to press him, and he said, you know, DA said you're healthy, and Jameis said, well, if he said that, that's not the truth. Like, it's just not. But mm-hmm. he didn't go out there and say the things I say. He didn't say, you know, DA tried to set him up, or DA did this, or DA's a moron. None of that stuff, right? <laughs> like, that's how I view DA. I view DA as somebody who sort of, collapses under the pressure of the podium he doesn't really know how to talk he doesn't know how to say he'd rather be anywhere else than answering questions from the media 
and he just sort of starts spinning and he gets himself into trouble. Um, I think DA is a fantastic defensive coordinator, but as a leader of men, I think he's, he's, he's abysmal. So, but Jameis didn't do anything like that. He just did what the coach wanted him to do. You know, I mean, it, it hurt him that he was being lied about, but he, like, he didn't really want to even make that public. It was me that went to Underhill and leaked the injury. It was yeah. his own family that went to Glazer and leaked the back, you know, and I leaked the tendon. Um, but, okay. So. I, I have, I have a question about this. Cause look, I, I mean, I, I have an obligation to the members of the Hootat Nation because they want to know these things. This is the this is the question. Okay, Jameis Winston. Okay, it's understandable he had all these different injuries last season. Like that that's not even to be disputed. Everybody knows about the the fractures, the foot, uh, they coming off the ACL. But here's this: in 2023, DA and the Saints organization decided to go after Derek Carr and not look at Jameis Winston as the future starter. So my question is, if Jameis Winston is okay with the coaches and, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff, why didn't the Saints commit to Jameis Winston as their future quarterback? Well, yeah, that, that's that's really what I came on to talk about. Um Okay. And if you can put that first graphic up, it'd be great because I could just. All right. All right. So that coincides with what I just asked. Okay. Here's yeah. here's the graphic uh, that's on the screen. <clears throat> right. That's perfect. And mm -hmm. for anybody that wants to go to my Twitter page at Jameis One of One, it has the full graphic. So it'll have. It's just the full graphic was too big for this screen, but it'll have everything you're looking at plus a ton of extra context built in. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that's the top uh, tweet on my page at the moment. It's called NFL uh, Humiliation Ritual, mm -hmm. and so. When you look at this graphic, like for right. Saints fans, honestly, it should make people sick to their stomach. Seriously. Not just because Winston was absolutely objectively better in 2019 than Derek Carr was in 2022, but because it's clear that what happened to Winston in the 2020 offseason, in and of itself, let alone when compared to what Carr got in the 2023 offseason, it's an indisputable proof. Winston was subjected to, you know, unfairness, unjustness, and he was put through a modern humiliation ritual, the likes of which we've never really seen in the world of sports. We see it in politics all the time. Humiliation rituals are common to politics. Right. They're common to even actors and actresses and celebrities and stuff like that. We don't generally see it in sports. But you're talking about, this is Winston's 2019 and 2020 offseason. You're talking about a 25-year-old, former number one overall pick, that was just coming off a season in which he finished number one in yards, number two in touchdowns, led the number three scoring team, all while playing almost a whole year in a torn meniscus and a quarter of the season with both a torn meniscus and a broken thumb and a starting hand. He was one of just five quarterbacks in the history of football to throw for 5,100 yards in a 16-game season. The other four, they're all basically first ballot locks for the Hall of Fame. Tom mm -hmm. Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, and then there's Jameis. And you're also, you're talking about a quarterback who after doing all that, was slighted, slandered, mocked, and denigrated by the media to the point that he signed a one-year vet men contract with the Saints. Mm. He and his team, and I'm speaking about this personal knowledge, he and his team were literally told by a mainstream media member that the media wanted to paint Jameis as somebody who was too bad to be a starter but way too good to be a backup in the league mm. in hopes that fan bases and teams would buy into such and that hopefully no team would offer him a contract at all or that Jameis would just quit the NFL out of frustration. He was, he was subjected to a humiliation ritual. And you're talking about a kid that at that time, when he entered the 2020 offseason, he was number one all time in the history of the NFL in passing yards. 
and number two all time in the history of the NFL in passing touchdowns by the age of 26. He was the youngest Pro Bowl quarterback in NFL history, a former number one overall pick, former Pepsi Rookie of the Year, and the reigning passing champion coming off a monster statistical season with a 55.7 QBR. And he got a one-year vet minimum contract. Now compare that to Derek Carr this season, right? He's being painted as the Saints' savior. He's a soon-to-be 32-year-old quarterback, so six years older than what Jameis was back then, that has never won a playoff game in his 10-year career. He failed to move the ball and score points last season, and really his whole career, but last season, despite having perhaps the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, Devontae Adams, and the NFL rushing champ behind him. And he was benched while fully healthy for Jarrett Stidham. And when he was benched, he left his team with two games left to play in the season. I just got done talking about how Jameis's season, the Bucs season was over with two games left to play, and he played severely hurt because his coach wanted to. Derek Carr left the team. Hmm. You're talking about a guy in Derek Carr who last year averaged 108 less total yards a game than Winston did in 2019. Hmm. That's over 1,800 yards for a season. That's enormous. He was six years older than Winston. He had less wins. Derek Carr won six games last year. Winston won seven in 2019. He had a worse win percentage. Derek Carr won 40% of his game, Winston 43.8. He even had a worse total QBR, which factors in interceptions and and fumbles. And Derek Carr got a four-year, $150 million deal. A dude who's six years older who had a worse season. Like, I mean, you're you're literally talking about Jameis Winston being subjected to a a humiliation ritual as the whipping boy. That could just be his nickname, the whipping boy. And Derek Carr... His nickname could be Mr. Failing Up. He completely failed last year, and he got a four-year, $150 million contract. Like, there's literally no rhyme or reason to this. It's completely insane. Hmm. And and that the media, you know, isn't talking about this. They're, they're literally just ignoring it and, like, pretending it didn't happen or pretending that it does make sense. It doesn't make sense in any world. Yeah. There's, like, there's no logical form of thought where that makes sense. So for me, it should be crystal clear to anybody who's unbiased, right? I mean, and I know not many people are. People either love or hate Jameis. But if you just look at the metrics, the data, all that stuff, it should be clear that Jameis was subjected to a modern humiliation ritual in the 2020 offseason and that the NFL and the media happily subjected him to such, hoping it would either destroy his career or get him to retire or whatever. And Honestly, anybody that scoffs at that, because I know, you know, the Jameis bashers, they scoff at anything, right? Anybody that scoffs at that, I'm going to say they're one of three things. And and I thought about this because like, I don't want to, when I speak, I I, I do want to tell the truth, but I think they're one of three things. People that would see this and then scoff and say, oh no, it wasn't like that. They're either a racist or just biased against Winston and enjoy knowing that he was subjected to a humiliation ritual. B ignorant of the data and ignorant to the fact he was subjected to a humiliation ritual. And that I can understand if somebody's just ignorant of it, I get it. Or C, they know the data, but they just can't bring themselves to even imagine that sports media is as underhanded and as, and as unethical as political media. And they, they just can't imagine that an athlete would be subjected to a smear campaign the way politicians do. But that's exactly what happened. Why, why would the mainstream media do something like this to Jameis Winston? They've been at war with Jameis since he was in high school and then early in college, like Jameis was getting death threats for choosing uh, FSU over Bama and sort of being slighted by the media. The very first article the USA Today ever published about Jameis, 
he hadn't even played a college football game yet. He was just known as the number one high school prospect. And he sat out his first year at Florida State and only played baseball. But the first article the USA Today ever wrote about him, and this is before anything, right? This is before any off-field stuff. Like, this is before anything. The first article they ever wrote was when Jameis supposedly was hunting squirrels on on, on school campus. Mm-hmm. And they, they sort of painted him as a criminal and a thug and everything. And then it came out later that he wasn't breaking any school rules. He wasn't doing anything wrong. And they had to retract their article. That's the yeah. first article they ever wrote. Mm. Like, it, they've all, there's always been this media war on Jameis. And then, of course, it just right. got exasperated with some of the other stuff. But it, it hasn't stopped. And the simple fact is that, yeah, Jameis's 2019 was infinitely better than Carr's on a statistical basis. And if you want to only boil it down to total QBR, you can say it was just very slightly better. But mm-hmm. even if it was only very slightly better, how does that explain the slightly better season for the 25-year-old quarterback resulting in a one-year, $1 million deal and the slightly worse season for a 32-year-old quarterback resulting in a four-year, $150 million deal? It makes no sense. None on any level. Yeah. I mean, you, you <laughs> what you're doing right now, uh, I'll be honest with you, it's going to cause a rift between, you know, some of the members of the Who That Nation because you have a strong, uh, you got a strong bit of uh, Saints fans that really support Jameis Winston. I mean, I see this all the time on the show. You know, they feel like Jameis Winston has what it takes to be a starter. Uh, they, you know, they okay with Derek Carr signing with the New Orleans Saints, but they would prefer uh, Jameis Winston. And then on the other hand, you got, those that are extremely excited about Derek Carr, uh, you know, joining the New Orleans Saints. Do do you think that Derek Carr can make the Saints successful? Do you look at Derek Carr as a a top quarterback in the NFC? Yes, I have no I have no doubt. Um, I talked with with a media member about this because they were thinking that well, I must just hate Derek Carr, right? Not at mm-hmm. all. I think Derek Carr is an improvement on Andy Dalton. I think Derek Carr is a quality quarterback. I think if Derek Carr starts every game next year for the Saints and Jameis just sits on the bench, I think the Saints will win their division. I think they'll be a top three seed. Now, I think they'll win their division because of how weak their division is, right? I mean, like, um, let's be honest, right? But when I say the top three seed, too, in a way, it's not necessarily because the NFC is weak, but I don't know who out there has looked at the Saints' schedule. But it, it's projected to be the second easiest schedule in the entire NFL. Right. There are only four, like, there's not a single game on the Saints' entire schedule where you point at it and say, well, that's an automatic L. Like, mm. not one, right? Their, their four hardest games are, I think it's at at Patriots, uh, it's, it's Patriots, Lions, Jaguars, and Rams, right? Like, mm. all of, and all of those are winner, winnable. Mm. Like, at Patriots is one of the, the Saints' hardest games. And Jameis and the and the Saints went into to New England in 2021 and just demolished them. And that mm-hmm. was when Mac Jones actually was good. Like he's 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 <laughs> he's regressed. So <laughs> he took um, <laughs> down. I mean, like yeah, it honestly, if whether Jameis or Carr starts in in like for example, if Carr gets hurt and Jameis starts every game, or if Carr starts every game, I think they're winning their division and I think they're a top three seed. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying about Derek isn't to crush Derek. I, I'm giving straight metrics, actual truth, right? There's not really any clapback to what I'm saying. There's no real way to refute what I'm saying because it's all objective data. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as just my subjective opinion on Carr, I think he's a good quarterback. I think I think he will win the division. I think they will make the playoffs. 
I wouldn't pick them to win the whole NFC because the 49ers and Eagles could still be powerhouses. Right. Um, but outside of those two teams, I don't see why the Saints can't be a top three team in the NFC. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe Detroit sneaks in there. That would that would be a cool story too. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the Saints are right there, and I think they're loaded up. I think they're much uh, their roster is better than it was last year. Um, I liked what they've done in free agency. I think the the Jamal Williams signing was amazing to get yeah. him for that price too. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I I mean I like everything the Saints are doing, and honestly, like my critique of of what they're doing isn't a slap, especially on Loomis. Like to be able to have a quarterback room with Carr and Jameis is, is amazing. Like they have the two best quarterbacks in their entire division. Like mm-hmm. that never happens. Ever. Yeah. I mean, the last time you can think of that happening, you'd point at like Favre and Rogers or Montana and young, but even in those situations, nobody had seen Rogers play, right? He was just sitting right. on the bench. Nobody knew what he could do. So nobody projected him to be the second best quarterback in the NFC North. And even with Steve Young, like before he really started starting for the 49ers, he was an abomination. Like he had one of the worst starts to a career you could ever imagine. It was terrible, (laughs) right? And so nobody would have looked at them and said, oh, Montana Young are the two best. But you can literally walk into the season and say that the Saints have the two best quarterbacks in their division. And nobody Mm -hmm. would doubt that. I mean, like, that's pretty amazing. So Mickey Loomis, Mickey Loomis is a warlock. I mean, I have he's amazing to, to be able to pull that off. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that Jameis is being subjected to a humiliation ritual. Car, car is failing upwards, and yeah. the two the, the two contracts balanced yeah. against themselves just look insane. Yeah. Well, um, were there any suitors for Jameis Winston? You know, yeah, the Saints, you know, offered him a contract, uh, gave him a few days to kind of think about it. Were there other suitors? Were there other destinations that Jameis could have chose from going into 2023? You're talking this year, this offseason? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't want to get anyone in trouble. From, from what I know uh, that went on in the back backroom dealings, mm-hmm. the Saints told Jameis he cannot test free agency unless he turns them down. But they're not going to check in necessarily on everything that they do. So what I'm saying is like, technically it's Jameis was not a free agent. So it's illegal for teams to contact even his agent. It's definitely illegal for them to contact him directly. And and I can say he was not contracted directly. That's, that's completely illegal, but it's even illegal for them to contact his agent unless he's a true free agent. And he wasn't right. That said, I do know specifically five teams reached out to his agent Hmm. and five teams wanted Jameis. So I do know that. And I will say that, well, let me think for a second. One, two, three. I will say that four of them had younger quarterbacks. Hmm. So one of them had an older quarterback. It, it was a deal that just wouldn't have appealed. But four of them had younger quarterbacks. So I'm, I'm not going to out the teams because technically what they did is illegal. But, yes, there were opportunities for Jameis. However, I think he made it really clear in his letter that he's hmm. looking at 2023 as a rehab year. He's looking hmm. at it as a year to get his body right. His body right. sort of destroyed. He still is not running at full strength. He probably mm-hmm. won't be until the end of next month. Now think about that for a second, right? Mm-hmm. He's not going to be even running at full strength till the end of next month. Yeah. And four months ago, Dennis Allen told the media, Jameis is good to go. You've right. got to be kidding me. Yeah. Like he couldn't even play with his children throughout the season with the back and stuff. I mean, he, he, his body got messed up, you know, and Dennis That's is up crazy. there. Yeah, he's good to go, but we're going with Andy as an offensive decision. It was, it was, it was sad. It was just, it was sad. 
and that Jameis <laughs> that Jameis put that behind him. I, I don't know anyone on his team. I don't know anyone in his family that actually wanted him to go back to New Orleans. Nobody. Wow. Not one, not one person. And I made it super clear I didn't. Right. I, I sent I sent Jameis and his whole team a massive breakdown of all the teams in free agency, ranking the offensive lines, all this different stuff, and and sort of giving it what I would do. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine options, what I would do. Um and and Jameis loves his teammates. He it, see, that's that's the weird thing. Like, even in Tampa, mm-hmm. like had Tampa had Tampa had Brady chosen the Chargers and Tampa said, well, you know what? I know we were talking 20 plus million per year before, but you know, now free agency's over. There's not really many options. We want you to come back at, at five million. He probably would have done it. Mm. He he's loyal like that. He was loyal to Mike Evans. He was loyal to Chris Godwin, Cameron Bray. And he's loyal to these New Orleans teammates. And right. he loves New Orleans. He loves the city. He loves the organization. And so he, he came back. He's treating it like a rehab year. I mean, who knows what happens, right? I mean, I, right. I was talking to his dad and I said, I don't, from a football perspective, I don't like the decision, right? right? But we don't know what happens. I mean, for all we know, this is going to end like it ended for the Eagles when Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was Carson Wentz's team, and Nick right. Foles won the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, Phil Sims, that, that was the Giants were his team, and Jeff Hostetler won the Super Bowl. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. And so the feeling I get is that is that, you know, he feels that this is just where God wants him to be at the moment. Yeah. Now, maybe that changes next year, but this is where God wants him to be. I mean, seriously, like me, that's what I preach routinely. Even when I'm talking sports, I preach God's will be done, right, to everybody. That's what I say. And so who am I to argue with that? If Jameis feels this is where God wants him to be, then I'm not going to argue with that. You know, God bless him. and Yeah, and hopefully it works out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, we, but um, I I do want to take some uh, questions from, you know, the chat here. They had a few questions for you. We'll uh, start with Barbara. Says he has a question for you. He says, do you think it's a coincidence that DA dealt with Winston the same way he dealt with Pryor in Oakland? Oh, uh, I mean, I definitely know. <laughs> I definitely know what the question is getting at. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I, I would think that. Yeah, I think you you know what we're getting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, just being honest. No, right? Like Terrell Pryor was far more talented than Matt McGloin. Mm-hmm. And he was a flat out better quarterback than Matt McGloin. And they had a better win percentage with him. Right. And yet DA moved off him, did him wrong. Terrell Pryor felt DA set him up to fail and, and screwed him over in the media. And DA went with the redheaded white quarterback. Mm. Right. I mean, that is like literally exactly what happened with Jameis <laughs> and the redheaded white quarterback. Andy <laughs> now <laughs> that, that said, that said, I, I've joked about it, you know, like I had a tweet out before because um, I, I find the tweet hilarious, right? The the one mm-hmm. where it's Hitler and it's Kanye West song playing. I just find that so funny. Like, yeah, I do. And so I <laughs> tweeted out, you know, uh, Dennis Allen ever since Jameis broke his back and it's got the, the Hitler's thing in the music. I just think it's funny. But I've also I've also made it really clear. I've never called Dennis Allen an actual racist, and I'm not going to do that. I, I have yeah, not. I don't think he yeah, is either. I have not to this day had a personal you know, conversation with DA. Um, I know he knows about me and stuff and he probably wouldn't want to talk to me, but um, no, I don't think Dennis Allen's now I'm not saying he's not, he might be, anybody might be right. But I don't think Dennis Allen, I'm not going to say he's a racist because I don't know. Um, What I will say is that I think he's a poor decision maker. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, his poor decisions have, have, you know, revolved around two black quarterbacks. Uh, Why that is, I don't know. 
but but that's what's happened. That doesn't right. mean he's racist. It just maybe means he doesn't understand the quarterback position or he likes a particular type, not necessarily color, just somebody right. that is, isn't very dynamic and will just check down a lot more often, blah, blah, blah. Like there are coaches like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one is a little bit, uh, I, I guess, like a little controversial comment here. It says, bash the Saints organization, then give him credit for having Derek Carr and Jameis Winston in the same room. So I, I guess what Trell is, alluding to was the 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 graphic that i put up uh basically saying that Jameis is more superior at quarterback you know than Derek has been you know when you put the stats together and just kind of just tongue-in-cheek gave him you know some credit what were your thoughts on that well yeah i mean like i'm talking about from a fan perspective right so mm-hmm. look at um like say the milwaukee bucks right Mm-hmm. their fans, all their fans want is a championship. That's all any fans want for a team. Right. If, if the Milwaukee Bucks next season, like let's say they fail this year, they, they get knocked out of the playoffs by the Celtics. If they mm-hmm. go into next season and LeBron, this isn't going to happen, but I'm just saying, and LeBron happens to be a free agent. Right. And they bring him in and they give him a max contract. And Giannis at the time was a free agent as well. And they tell him, you know, we're going to give you a bit less than LeBron and you're going to be his backup. Right. That would be extremely insulting to Giannis. Giannis is better, <laughs> be, better at the moment. He's younger. He, you know, he's putting up historic numbers. He might win a third MVP this year. Yeah, that would be extremely enough. insulting to Giannis. But every Bucks fan should be out of their minds, happy and excited to have both Giannis and LeBron. Mm. Right. And so that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think that what the Saints did with Jameis and Carr's contract, I think it is a humiliation ritual for Jameis. I think it's extremely insulting, all that stuff. But at the same time, yeah. If you're just a Saints fan, you should be thrilled. You got the two best quarterbacks in the division. I mean, who, yeah. what team wouldn't want that? Yeah. I mean, if you know, if the if the Chiefs could have Justin Herbert as Mahomes' backup, don't you think they'd be happy? Of course they would. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I, I already said, and I said it too. I said, find me a better backup quarterback than Jameis Winston is. You know, like I mean, honestly, he is better. You know, like when you think about like the yards that he put up and his ability. I mean, I, I don't see many quarterbacks that possess the same type of skill set that that he has, and you know, the, his ability, in my opinion, to make average guys better. Like you think about at, at one time he had like Deontay Hardy, like in you know some like the top receiving yards in the league. He was like top ten, like five foot seven, one hundred sixty pound Deontay Hardy. He had like Traquan Smith over hundred yards. I mean, he, he had Marquez Callaway making circus catches. So, I mean, he, he he does a really good job at getting the the best out of some guys that a lot of people would probably consider more role role players than anything. So, I mean, I think that that speaks volumes to a guy who can play the quarterback position when you can elevate guys who people aren't really looking at. Yeah, I mean, Jameis, he's always been a kingmaker at wide receiver. You know, and mm-hmm. anybody that scoffs at that, they just don't know his history. Right. Yeah, like, like people talk about, oh, yeah, well, Florida State, that team was loaded. No, they weren't. They had a good defense. But if you're mm-hmm. talking offense, Kelvin Benjamin was a bust without Jameis. And he was a first-round pick. You know, Jameis threw him the national t- uh, game-winning touchdown in the, yeah, in that's the fair. title game. Rashad Green was in the NFL, you know, to have lunch, and then he went home. He was out of the mm-hmm. NFL super quick. Jameis made him look like a superstar in college. Nick yeah. O'Leary looked like a star in college, was out of the NFL super quick without Jameis. Right. Then he gets to Tampa, and – they give him two undrafted rookie free agents, mm. Adam Humphreys and Cambray out of Harvard. Mm. Jameis turned them both into studs and they both got paid. Yeah. 
Adam Humphreys then went to Tennessee with Tannehill and busted completely and is now just an afterthought. He's a nobody. Cam Brate got Tom Brady, and his numbers decreased rapidly. Hmm. Even Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, if you look at their numbers, they dropped exponentially with Brady instead of Jameis on a per-game basis. Yeah. And if you talk to those two guys, they both love Jameis. They both rep Jameis. So uh, Russell yeah. Shepard was a special teamer that the Bucks had to throw in at wide receiver. Jameis made him look good, and he got a wide receiver contract the next uh, offseason from Carolina. He got there with Cam Newton, busted, and went right back to special teams. Yeah. Deontay, yeah, and you talk about Deontay Hardy, same exact thing. I put up a tweet about him. He had uh, 35 career games without Jameis. He averaged 10.7 yards a catch, had uh, two touchdowns, and he had like, I don't know, 18 yards a game. And right. with in just five games with Jameis, he averaged 20 yards a catch, had two touchdowns. Mm. And so I, I put it up like a, a season extrapolated for Deontay with Breeze or Teddy is who he, he would have had. Um, a full season, Deontay was on pace for 25 catches, 271 yards, and one touchdown. With with Jameis wow. extrapolated 41 catches, 802 yards, and seven touchdowns. <laughs> and and Deontay, the contract he got, he did. He got paid like a like a deep threat, like somebody who yep. can come in and stretch the and that's what Jameis made him look like. Yep. So and that's why that's why receivers and stuff, you know, they love Jameis. Um Mike, Mike, you know, Mike and Jameis only got to play one game healthy together, right? right. So I mean they, they don't have any real history. But I did find it funny that, you know, uh, Mike – well, I don't find it funny, right, because now Mike's got two good quarterbacks in the room. But I find it funny that Mike applauded the car signing because Derek is known to be an abysmal red zone quarterback over his entire career, mm. right? He he throws like 9.9 .9 touchdowns to every interception in the red zone. Wow. Jameis throws 24 touchdowns to every interception. Jameis blows away Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers, Josh Allen, everybody at, at touchdown interception ratio in the red zone. And Mike – I think he's got 32 touchdowns uh, in his entire career without Jameis. He averages like 0.4 a game. Mm. He had two. He had two touchdowns in the healthy game with Jameis, and he had three and three games with Jameis, even though Jameis had a broken back. So right. if Mike thinks he's going to be this big touchdown guy with Derek Carr, I highly doubt it. I highly, highly doubt that. I think Jameis would have fed him a whole lot more numbers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do you? I don't think that was a knock uh, at Jameis Winston when he replied, thank you, Jesus, as a, as a tweet. Do you think so? No, I mean, there was something else earlier in the offseason where somebody said that he must be knocking him. And I said, no, I, that's not the way that I read it. I, you know, I think Mike's a competitor. He's happy they got somebody. I mean, in Mike's mind, it could have been Carr or Dalton, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, most most pe nobody really thought Jameis was going to go back to the Saints. Right. Most people thought that it would either be uh, Dalton or Carr. Not right. Jameis at all, not even in the mix. And so yeah. when Carr signed, you know, most people were expecting Jameis to hit free agency. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Are right, we going uh Damon says uh he is absolutely right about Jameis and this is why uh we are a, a suspect this year. I don't I don't know. I don't think that the Saints are suspect. You know, I think they've done some really good things to make themselves competitive. You know, now you need these things to come together. You need the stars to kind of align a little bit. Um but I, I think they're going in the right direction. They're they're getting the right guys in the room to try to change some things around. Um Go ahead, go ahead. You were going to say something? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it'll be interesting, like, if, if, Carr, <laughs> if Carr actually does struggle, right, mm -hmm. and, and DA won't move to Jameis because of the contract. That will be interesting because 
like that Cardinals game last year where Andy threw, you know, what what was it like two pick sixes, three picks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that well, that was kind of crazy. And and DA at halftime, just keep doing what you're doing. And at the end of the game, <laughs> he, he did some good things out there. Like yeah. if something like that were to happen, then I could think I could see there being issues. Um yeah. But again, I think the Saints schedule is so weak. I think the division is so weak. I think they're going to destroy the NFC South. I, I really don't think it matters. I think I think if Carr gets hurt and Jameis gets hurt and Taysom has to play six games, I think they're going to destroy the NFC South. I really do. Yeah. Um, should be interesting to see uh, going you know, to 2023. Uh, inevitable says, uh, TJ, can you mention that the best ability is availability, and that's why Carr got that contract and Jameis – uh, hasn't uh how do you feel about that if you want to say that only in relation to this offseason I, I won't have a lot of pushback right because Jameis mm-hmm. is coming off back-to-back sort of season ending injuries right. however if you want to say that about Carr's contract this offseason compared to Jameis's in 2019 no you're dead wrong mm-hmm. because Jameis played all 16 games in 2019 he played mm-hmm. through the injury and he had a historic yardage season Derek right only played 14 games because he, he ran off on his team. So, and even leading up to that, right, Jameis's first five years in the league, I think he only missed like three full games due to injury, and that was a severe shoulder injury. But he was a tank. He played every game his first year, every game his second year. He played every game he could his fourth year. He played every game his fifth year. So, no, I mean, it, I think it's it's like, it's beyond irrefutable that Jameis was subjected to a humiliation ritual in the 2020 offseason. Mm-hmm. Now, th- this offseason, if you want to say injury history had something to do with it, fine, but we – we really can't even say that because Jameis didn't hit free agency. We don't necessarily know what would have happened. Five teams did contact him. He didn't hit free agency, you know, and, and I'm sure that there was other, well, I'm not sure. I won't say that because I'm not God, but I imagine there were other teams that were waiting to contact him. If he hit free agency, that didn't want to break the rules. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, availability is, is great. And, um, and Derek has been healthy, but like, I don't really buy into the, the, sort of like the um the injury thing with people like if you're talking about a guy who's constantly missing games load management stuff like that in the nba mm-hmm. that's different Jameis suffering a broken back could have happened to anyone yeah. if Derek if Derek gets hit that exact same way in week one this year he's gonna break his back like i don't think that's because Jameis has a weaker back than Derek. that's silly right yeah. and same with the torn acl i mean look at that image of Devin White horse collaring him and Jameis's legs snapping, like that's yeah. going to happen to anybody in that exact same situation. So I don't, I don't look at Jameis as sort of injury prone with these weird little, you know, knickknack injuries. He suffered mm-hmm. two sort of weird, catastrophic, could happen to anybody injuries. Yeah, not, yeah, that is true. Uh, I, my my final uh, question is to you uh, in regards to Jameis Winston, based on some of the things that you say when it comes to the media kind of you know being a tad bit biased toward Jameis you know with the narrative uh with the combination of you you have individuals receiving the narrative and running along with it do you think Jameis Winston will ever get a fair shake or a fair shot I should say at being a starting quarterback in the National Football League going forward um it's hard it's hard to say at the moment right because like the decision he made and, and using this as a rehab year. Um, I mean, it's obvious Tampa stuck with him straight through as the man for five yeah. years. Right. And then Arians even did come out and admit it was Brady or Jameis. Like they weren't moving off of Jameis for anybody else, but Brady. So mm-hmm. Tampa was still all in. 
He got to New Orleans, and Sean went all in with him and started him. And then Mickey, see, Mickey had the the power before Dennis became coach. Mickey did go really all in because he traded his number one pick in a in a heavy quarterback draft just to get Jameis another playmaker. And right. he used the other number one pick they had to draft an offensive tackle. So two guys to support. Mickey had a full two-year plan of all in with Jameis, and injuries cut that short. Right. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, you, you get Jameis in, a, in an actual fair quarterback battle, I think he blows away a ton of starting quarterbacks. Hmm. Like, I, And I don't think it's close. But politics do play into it as far and as far as contracts, right? right. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying one way or another if this is one of the teams that that uh, made an offer to Jameis. But mm. for example, the Washington Commanders, right? right? They have a very young quarterback. They Maybe like Sam him, Howell. right? Yeah. They they ended up finally bringing in Jacoby Brissett, you know, a couple of days deep into free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have a team that's trying to get sold. Right. So there's a lot that kind of plays into that. It would it would be best for them if Howell was the real deal because he's right. on a dirt cheap contract for four mm-hmm. years. He's not even on, you know, a, a cheap rookie deal as far as first rounders. He's on a dirt cheap contract. <laughs> so it, it would be very good for them uh if he turns into a star. Yeah. But if Jameis were to sign with a team like that or you know, he'd blow them away in 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 a in a fair quarterback competition. Like it wouldn't mm-hmm. be remotely close. Yeah. Um and there are times too, you know, where where coaches, general managers, and offensive coordinators don't all disagree, or don't all agree, yeah, right. And and even that even happened a little bit in New Orleans, but it could definitely happen outside of that. Yeah. Um, so I would say I would say that you know next year, uh, Jameis should be fully healthy and yeah. he'll be fully looking to be a starter. And I don't think that he would settle, uh, even if he is. I don't think he would settle to just be back. I think he'd go look for the competition. I think yeah. this is a rehab year. And we'll see what happens. And and again, you know, if he feels this is God's will for him to be in New Orleans, who knows how this season ends? It, it, it yeah. could end with you know him playing the Foles role and winning the Super Bowl. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm a I'm a Jameis supporter. You know, I got a lot of respect for him. You know, I I didn't expect for him to come back to the Saints. You know, if you l- listen to any of my podcasts, it was almost like talking as if it was in a past tense because I didn't expect it. Uh, regardless to, you know, what happens after 2023, I'm just hoping that he gets an opportunity to show that he he can uh, be a starting quarterback. And I believe that he can be a starting quarterback, regardless if it's with the Saints or some other team. But uh, it should be interesting uh, to see uh, what's going to happen with Jameis Winston and how 2023 is going to shape up. But uh, I, I want to say thank you. I really do appreciate it. Jameis one one for stopping by. Talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, Jameis Winston also bringing the graphic along uh, as well. Uh, and, and let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and uh, and tell us about maybe some of the things that you may have coming up. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you don't mind, um, I got one other graphic that's that's even better. That's the one I really wanted to. Okay, I apologize. Yeah, okay. yeah cool. I, I DM that to you. If, you. if you want to pull that up, I'll talk about okay, that. Okay, all right. Let's see. Okay, I didn't <laughs> see that one. Okay, but let me go ahead and check that. All right, as I, I pull um, pull it up. But but let me okay well uh, since we uh you know since I'm doing this right now let let's talk uh, a little bit more you know about Derek Carr you know Derek Carr like you said he, he struggled a little bit you know but you know my my question is to you do you think that's more Derek Carr uh, what he went through last season or more of what the Raiders are as of right now with Josh McDaniel as the head coach I mean 
you know, Brady swears by McDaniels. And mm-hmm. they had, like, like again, they had maybe the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, Devontae Adams. And mm-hmm. they had the rushing champ. Right. And Derek still struggled to move the ball or, or score touchdowns. He, he's still, mm-hmm. like, to me, Derek is a, is, I would just use the word solid, right? Mm-hmm. He's a solid quarterback. He's he's somebody that, you know, you, you can trust um, to be solid, right? <laughs> like this this graphic that you'll put up, um, it's actually, I just tweeted out. So anybody that wants to go to it, uh, at Jameis one of one I have this graphic, but it's it's much, much, much bigger because it, it won't fit all on, on this uh, podcast show page, but it's much bigger. It has 17 metrics. And what it'll show you, anybody, Jameis dusts Derek Carr as an individual quarterback. It's not close. Like the media that are pretending that that Derek's an upgrade are insane. Media that even pretend that Carr is on Jameis's level are insane. Like any stat guy, any guru, any anybody who looks at this and understands the metrics, not just the ones you're seeing on the screen, but again, the one at my Twitter page, at Jameis one of one, it's not close. Okay, so what this graphic... Uh, shows is that Jameis over his entire career, right? This isn't measuring 2019, 2022. This is both Jameis Winston's entire career versus Derek Carr's entire career. Jameis blows him away. He's not just an objectively better quarterback. Uh, I'm sorry, he is an objectively better quarterback based on the data. So Jameis best car, and not by a little, in total QBR. So what you'll see here on the screen, it says total QBR, Derek 52.7, 52.7, Jameis 55.9, mm-hmm. and there's a star next to that. If somebody were to go to my Twitter page, they'll see uh, what the star means, uh, it, again, because it's a it's a big graphic. Um, but, and some people have asked about this, if Sean Payton uh, was trying to devalue Jameis, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I love Sean. I love Sean. Um, I do think there was a little gamesmanship as far as setting Jameis up to take the, the quarterback that he was, uh, I'm sorry, the contract that he was going to take in 2021. So, mm-hmm. Sean knew that he had Jameis on a vet men contract in 2020. And he knew that he was probably going to be signing Jameis again in 2021. And so, yeah, there was some gamesmanship going on. Sean, you know, when Drew went down, boom, they put Jameis in the game. When they had time to prepare, they're like, no, no, let's sit, let's sit Jameis. Let's give Taysom these games. Let's go run first. You know, Taysom won a game where he threw for, you know, under hundred yards or whatever against the Broncos. And it made it look like, oh, well, Jameis is just a QB3. That allowed them to get to the offseason and get Jameis a lot cheaper than they would have. So what this star is, is Jameis's career total QBR, best car by 3.2. The star next to it, what is Jameis's career total QBR outside of those little tiny things that Sean put Jameis in uh, in 2020? And you're talking about one game Sean put Jameis in to take a kneel down, right? That's like a negative mm-hmm. EPA. He, he, right. So, like, that actually did affect it. And if you look at Jameis's career QBR outside of, you know, the little kneel down game, stuff like that, it's at 57.5. 57.5 is huge. If you go, anybody out there wants to go on Pro Football Reference and just check the total QBR leaders every year. And you can go back, you know, 10, 15 years and just put in where 57.5 would be, that's very good. And it's infinitely better than Carr's 52.7. So again, this is, you know, the most complete uh, comprehensive quarterback metric available in Jameis Dust's car. It's not close over their complete careers. QBR, total QBR includes interceptions, fumbles, completion percentage, touchdown percentage, interception percentage, 
down in distance, strength of schedule. It even, you know, eliminates uh, garbage time stats. Mm -hmm. So if you're just looking at it, over both quarterbacks' complete career, Jameis dust car in total QBR. And then when you're looking at EPA per play, that's expected points added per play. It's not remotely close either. Jameis destroys Carr in that. I mean, take out a calculator and do 0.114, Jameis's number, divided by 0.071. And, right. and you'll see by how much of a percent Jameis is an upgrade on Carr. So, and and then when you look at adjusted EPA per play, same thing, it's, you know, adjusting uh, for defenses, things like that. like that. But you're talking about as an EPA per play, over their complete careers, Jameis is 60% better than Carr. That means every single play that Jameis runs, he puts up 60% more points expected than Carr does over yeah. their whole careers. Adjusted EPA per play is also a huge difference. EPA plus CPOE. Um, when you listen to guys like Stephen A. Smith and stuff like that, right? They'll they'll say, oh, somebody's had a 65% completion percentage. <laughs> completion percentage is an idiotic stat that should not exist. It should be thrown in the dustbin of history. It's garbage because it doesn't factor in the distance. So what it says is if Josh Allen, for example, throws five 50-yard bombs and connects on two of them, his completion percentage is only 40%, but they moved 100 yards down the field. Right. And if, if Derek Carr throws five plant passes and connects on three of them, and they were all line of the scrimmage screen passes that went four yards each. He'll have a 60% completion percentage. And Josh Allen only has 40. So therefore, cars more accurate. That's insanity. That's so stupid, right? Completion yeah. percentage is a dumb stat that should never be used. CPOE is completion percentage above expectation, meaning every single throw that the quarterback throws, that exact throw measured mm -hmm. against the completion percentages of every quarterback in the NFL making that exact throw, what theirs is. And so yep. at the bottom of my stat online, it'll, it just shows the CPOE stat because a lot of people think Carr's accurate and Jameis is inaccurate, right? Yeah. Carr, for his entire career, he has a 0.1 CPOE, which means every throw he makes it is 0.1% more successful than an average quarterback. Yeah. Jameis uh, is at 1.5. Mm. You know, 15 times higher than Carr. 15 yeah. times. Like, it's not close. And so EPA plus CPOE mixes those together. And again, you see Jameis blows Carr away by over 30%. So again, like, this this media narrative that the Saints upgraded and, the, and these, these, these morons on sports talking shows just sort of parroting that narrative... Like anybody that's crunched the data can see Jameis is a superior quarterback and it's not close. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I look, I, <laughs> I, I do, um, I do agree with some people, you know, in the chat, what they say is like, there's one statistic that matters the most and that's winning, you know? And the fact is, you know, when you look at Derek Carr, you know, Derek Carr has played in 123 games. Jameis, 86. He started 123 games. Uh, Jameis has started 80. Uh, wins at a starter, Derek Carr has 59. Jameis has 34. And winning percentage, uh, Derek Carr is at 0.48, and Jameis is at 0.425. So, you know, some people would say, yeah, those are great, you know, great stats that you're bringing up, and those are true. But when it matters most, when it comes to facilitating comebacks, winning games, 
uh, completion percentage, yards, Derek Carr does uh, have that over Jameis Winston. Uh, what, what are your What are your thoughts on that? Like does like I, like those? Does, I'm not look. What you're saying is is accurate. Those things matter to you know what a quarterback is supposed to do, what it's supposed to look like. But when it comes to you know the overall position, it, all that that means absolutely nothing if you don't have any wins you know, with it, you know, and some people would say Derek Carr didn't win a playoff game, but he got there, you know, and, you know, so what What are your thoughts on, on people that may look at that as a statistic, um, as an upgrade over Jameis Winston? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that, brought that up and uh, you got my full graphic there on the screen. So, yeah. I'm not sure the, the, the stats you, you quoted were a little okay. bit off. because uh, well, Derek... well, well, I'm looking. Okay, so let me let me uh, be let me pull this up. I want to uh, pull this up. I'm actually looking at uh, there's a, a website. It's NFLcomparisons.com, right? So it, I put in Derek Carr and I put in uh, Jameis Winston stats. And I, I want to let me see if I can pull that up uh, so you can actually see that and see what I'm talking about here. Sure. Um, but I was just when I said a little bit off, um, because I think you said Derek Carr had 123 starts. He has 142. Okay, let me so, let me make sure. Let me make sure the, that yeah, the, the website right, you're me... using might not be updated. Um, okay, because if right, it says me... Derek Carr has a, a 4.8 win percentage, he doesn't. Okay, all right. So yeah, I mean, did okay. So did, I don't know if you can you see this. Yeah, I can see it. Okay, all right. So uh, yeah, bit that's more. that that's not an updated site. Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, no problem, no problem. But yeah, so Derek Carr has 142 games played, not not 123. Okay. His, his win percentage is 444. Jameis is 425. So okay. to put that in perspective, okay. So if everybody out there, and I do understand that, right? Fans will just say, "Well, it's about wins." Right. So Carr best, uh, Derek Carr best Jameis in career win percentage by 0.19 percent, not 1.9 percent, point. One nine percent. What that means is that if both players play every game for three years, right? 51 games, 17 game season, three straight years, a Derek Carr led team will win one more game than Jameis. Mm. One. Now, when you consider the, the Saints gave Jameis four million bucks and Carr 150 million, mm-hmm. and if it's all about wins, so one win in three years, one regular season win, by the way, not even playoff. One regular season win in three years worth $146 million. No, yeah. <laughs> like if that was the case, Patrick Mahomes should get $8 billion a year, right? Yeah. So, hey, I'm sorry. I mean, I didn't uh, mean to cut you off. I just thought about what, what I did. Jam- um, Jameis Winston came into the league in 2015. Right. And uh, Derek Carr came in 2014. There right. was one, there was one year that wasn't checked on the box. Cause I wanted to make sure that it was fair. Cause if you look at, if I, if I was to put, Oh yeah, these many starts, then I just feel like, you know, that that probably wouldn't be fair because James, he's getting credit for a year that James Winston wasn't even in the league. So I just wanted to kind of compare that, you know, those, those two years. Um, I mean, the 2015 to the present. So that's probably why one of the oh, reasons I why, I, I mean, it didn't account for all of the starts, so if I was to, I guess, check 2014, then it probably, what you say, you had 139 starts? 
in his career? No, it's one forty-two. Okay, so it's still off by three. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of statistics sites that they. I mean, they're good, but they can get stuff wrong. Yeah. I, I've even I've even corrected Pro Football Reference on some stuff. I, I emailed yeah. and um because they had some of the interception percentages off and things like that. Um. Mm-hmm. But so so again, I mean, over their complete careers, cars. Car's good for one extra win every three years. Not one per year, just one every three years. But when somebody actually breaks down their games and the defense in the games, right? Like Mm -hmm. one of the big narratives, especially like Colin Cowherd, who kind of is a is a pseudo agent for Derek Carr. Um (laughs) he he put out there that you know Derek is finally gonna get a defense. That's the only reason he's never won big in LA, right? In Mm -hmm. in Vegas. He's finally gonna get a defense. That's a total lie. And Colin doesn't know the data because what my graphic shows and what any, and anybody can, you know, double check all my graphics. They're always hundred percent on point. What my graphic will show is that when like the saints last year, they gave up under 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. The D the, the total team gave up a little bit more, right? Cause Jameis had a pick six and Dalton, I think had two, but right. the defense itself gave up under 20 points a game. Jameis Winston over his entire career and Derek Carr over their entire career, when their defense gives up under 20 points per game, Derek Carr has a 60% win percentage. Hmm. That sucks. Like, and I'm, I'm not even being mean. It's terrible. If you just look at, if you just look at league averages of guys like Taylor Heineke and stuff, it's right. terrible. Right. Jameis Winston's win percentage in games where his defense gives up under 20 is 80%. Hmm. 80 which is elite, elite. So right. if the Saints play next year and their defense gives up under 20 a game, what that means is that over the course of their whole careers, the metrics show Derek Carr will go 10 and 7. And Jameis Winston would go 14 and 3. Mm. And there, there's there's no argument to that. There's there's not even a pushback. That is what the metrics show. If the defense gives under, under 20, Jameis wins 80% of the time. Carr only wins 60% of the time. And even if you bump that up to 25, which the Saints rarely give up over 25, but even if you bump that up to 25, Jameis still blows them away in win percentage. Yeah. So the the Saints literally, you know, they gave four million bucks to a guy who is statistically far superior and who wins at a much higher rate with a defense like they have. And they gave $150 million to the guy who is statistically inferior by a mile and who wins far less with the defense that the Saints have. Like, it, it it really is mind blowing, and at the same time, Mickey Loomis is amazing because he got both of them right. But it's still yeah. it's mind blowing. It's like they they did it in reverse. It's like they gave the wrong contract to the wrong guy, but still ended up with both guys. Like <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. It it really is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, so go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I mean, cut you off. Oh, it's all right. I was just scrolling down a couple other little points, but say whatever you want. Oh no, no! I was, uh, I was just saying. I mean, look, this is a, this is a good problem to have, you know. <laughs> like if you, if you're going to have these type, you know, I rather have two guys that can, you know, that's capable of getting the job done than not having a guy at all. Like how it's been over the last few years, you know. Post Drew Brees, there's been a bunch of injuries and some plug and play guys, some, you know, some, some career backups. So it, it's good to have some guys that have starting quality, can be starting quarterbacks to come in no matter what the situation may be. I'm excited about that as a fan of the team. So, you know, like I said, I I mean, look, I've always, I'm going to be honest, I've always liked Derek Carr. You know, I've always, you know, looked at him as as a guy that, you know, 
that was kind of thrust in a bad situation. You know, Oakland slash Las Vegas has always kind of been a train wreck of an organization, in my opinion. You know, it just seems like it's it's a team where players go to die or, you know, uh, dreams go to die. You know, I I mean, does that mean anything? Like, should we take that into consideration that the Raiders have been an abomination, you know, as an organization for I don't know how long, probably since the tuck rule situation happened, right? Like, should we take that into consideration when evaluating a quarterback like Derek Carr? Yes, yes, I think you should. And I think Carr is is better than a lot of people think he is. Mm. And I think his his metrics are more impressive than some people give him credit for. Um, But that doesn't matter when compared to Jameis because he was in an even worse situation. Mm. Tampa was a bigger dumpster fire. In fact, even after Tom Brady's three-year stint there, when he brought super teams with him and won a ton, mm-hmm. Tampa still is the, the most losingest franchise, sports franchise in North American history by percentage. Mm-hmm. When Jameis Winston got there, they were 2-14. and 14. He was drafted number one overall to save them, right? Derek Carr was mm-hmm. a, wasn't any, not anywhere near that type of situation. So mm-hmm. I think both quarterbacks, I think both Jameis and Derek, I think both of their uh, win percentages would be much higher had they been drafted by better organizations. I think their mm-hmm. metrics would be much better. Um, I think they both kind of got the raw end of the stick as far as the organizations yeah. that they were drafted to. Um, yeah. But because they were in sort of similar situations, I don't think you can say, well, Derek should be given more credit than Jameis, right? Because I think Jameis was in an even worse situation. <laughs> right. um, and while I do think like Loomis is a genius for getting this all done and, and building the team he's built, um, I will say, like, it, it's interesting because, you know, the objective metrics, right, in, in a way they should sort of infuriate all Saints fans, really any fan that has a tiny sense of, like, justice and fairness, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make sense what's being done to Jameis and right. how, how Carr is failing up. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but from, a, but from a team fan perspective, right, like a, a, a team fan that wants to build the best team that can win a title – it's all it, it sort of is also infuriating. Derek got so much money when he's not as good as Jameis because imagine what that money could have went to, right? So you're right. talking about four years, 150 mil. Mm. Well, what else could you do with that if you rode with Jameis and didn't give it to Carr? You could bring in two more quarterbacks. You could you could have a three-headed monster just in case injuries happen of yep. Jameis, Teddy Bridgewater, and Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. You know, Jameis took four million. Wentz might take three. Bridgewater might take two, right? Well, yep. then you've got three quarterbacks and you got nine million bucks tied up. And you've only spent five of the of the uh what does it work out to? 37 five that you gave Carson. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. that you gave Derek Carr. So now you got thirty two and a half million dollars mm-hmm. left. What could you do with that? You could go get, you know, you could add Kareem Hunt to the running back field, you could add Mike Gasecki to the tight end, you could go get a top defensive end. Like there's a you could have just totally loaded this roster. So I think having Carr and Jameis in the quarterback room is amazing. I think it's by far the best in the NFC South. But at the same time, it's like, wow, they could have really loaded their roster if they wouldn't have overpaid Carr to such an extent. Mm. And again, again, you know, Jameis' 2019 was objectively better than Carr's 2022. And Jameis was made to sign a $1 million contract. Carr got $150 million. Like, Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, they got the two best quarterbacks, but I just think their team could be so much more loaded if they wouldn't have overpaid Derek the way they did. Um, mm-hmm. I, honestly, I think what the Saints did, like it's probably the, the the most egregious example 
of contractual unfairness and injustice in a quarterback room in the history of the NFL. Wow. It, it, in all of history. Like, I can't think of another time when in the history of football, the backup quarterback, like the, the starter and the backup both had five plus years starting experience, you know, or 80 plus starts. And the backup dusts him in total QBR and EPA per play and adjusted <laughs> EPA per play and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's getting like what, one, one, 30th 140th of the salary like right. that that's that's just never been it's, it's a complete outlier and in a way that makes sense because everything about Jameis seems like a total outlier like like his whole career the way he's valued compared to the metrics he puts up the way he's covered in the media compared to his accomplishment it's all seems like an outlier it all seems like we're, we're being subjected to this psyop it's weird it's it's mm. very very bizarre it's like Jameis is just he's the whipping boy we're gonna say everything that is doesn't match his career. We're good. It's, it's all very, very bizarre. Um, and I mean, you know, everybody listening here is probably football fans, but a lot of people that, that follow me and stuff, they're, they're into like investments and money and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. some people, they're not even necessarily football fans all that much, but they, they think I'm funny and they follow me and they think I'm just wild. But so I'm just going to give like two quick examples of, of how I view sort of these contracts. Right. Right. So the first, imagine, a man inherits $154 million and he wants to invest it all in the stock market. So he he researches for months trying to decide the best stock to invest in. And he narrows it down to two. He really, really likes one white rabbit enterprises and the other one black bear corporation. So he looks at everything and he sees that white rabbit enterprises, it performed worse by all the most relevant financial metrics. And it projects to continue to perform worse in the future than Black Bear Corporation. But he says, now, nah, you know what? I'm going to invest. It. Well, that Black Bear Corporation, it is pretty good. So I'm going to invest $4 million into shares in the Black Bear Corporation because it's obviously performed better in the past and it projects to perform better in the future. Right. But I'm going to invest $150 million into White Rabbit Enterprises because, I mean, I just like the name better, you know? It rolls off the tongue. White rabbits are cute. They make good pets. Black bears are menacing and unpredictable. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I I know my investment doesn't make any sense to any stock market analyst, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give 150 million to white rabbit and 4 million to black bear. That's what the saints did. Mm. That's (laughs) That's exactly what they did. And, and, um, and the other one, this one, I actually wrote this up because it's, it's good. And I, and I I shared this with, uh, with, with, you know, Jameis's family because, if you really think about it, it it should sort of enrage people. So I said, second is, um, let me see here. Okay. Yeah. So this Jamison Carr situation is literally like if a man who of course in this case would be Dennis Allen, but just any man, right. He adopted two kids, Mm -hmm. one little black kid, one little white kid. And he told them both, they better do good in school as they'd be rewarded or punished based on their grade point average. Mm -hmm. When the semester ends, the adopted white kid, he brings home his report card, he shows the man, and the man sees that the little adopted white boy earned one A, four Bs, one C, and one D for a 2.71 grade point average. He hugs him, he gives him a PlayStation 5, a laptop, an iPhone, and a massive gift certificate to Toys R Us, and the two of them dance around the room in glee. Then the little adopted black kid comes in, hands his report card to his dad, and the man sees that he earned three A's, two Bs, one C, one D, for a 3.0 grade point average. He immediately punches the little black kid in the face, kicks him a few times, jumps on top of him, beats him with a belt, and then locks him in a closet for a year and feeds him through a slit in the door. 
<laughs> like that's that's literally what these contracts are like. Hmm. They make no logical sense at all. None. Hmm. It's good for Saints fans that they got both quarterbacks in the room. If 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 Derek goes down, you got somebody better than Derek to take in. Like, there's there's no other team that can say that. Like it's not just about is Jameis the best backup quarterback in the NFL. He's literally better than the starter. There's no other team that can say that. Hmm. Right? Now, the Chiefs could have said that a few years ago because Mahomes was better than than Alex Smith right from the start, even though he didn't play. Right? right? And I'm not saying Jameis is Mahomes. I'm just saying he's better than the starter. Yeah. Um, but this, to me, this is it's the most egregious example of just sort of like contractual evil I can think of. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm not even being hyperbolic. Like it's, it's maddening. And, and I understand why like Jameis's family, they don't get it. They literally feel like he's just being like a beaten child. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to them. Hmm. And, and I'm not part of his family. I'm not part of his team. I'm, I'm, I'm like an outside observer. I, I right. love the kid, but I mean, I also love car. I love everybody. I want God's will done in everybody's life, but seeing this, it's it's crazy to me and and that the media especially i get it with the national media because the national media doesn't follow really local sports and like even the cowboys right they love to talk about the cowboys but they don't dive into the data on the cowboys they just know that the cowboys have a big fan base so they talk about them a lot Mm -hmm. but the local media and i've been real good with the with the new orleans local media uh since Jameis has been here but like, I would just say to the local media, how are you guys letting this slide? Like, imagine if your child, your niece, your nephew, your sibling, your parent, your friend were being treated like this. Would you just ignore it? Would you write articles praising the abuser? Would you mock the abused? I doubt it. I bet you'd say something, but that's exactly what's happening here. They gave $150 million to a guy who is objectively worse over his entire career in all the most comprehensive metrics that everybody who knows stats knows points to what a quarterback is. He's also objectively worse by a mile in win percentage when he has a defense like the Saints have. Mm. And he got almost 40 times the money and New Orleans media is writing articles about how he's an upgrade. Like it'd be like just, hey, that dad who beats the snot out of his little black kid and praises his white kid, he's a great father. He's awesome. It's craziness. It's mm. it, and it literally makes me sad. Like I mean, you know, people know me talking sports and and I debate and I get wild and stuff. But like in my real life, I'm an Orthodox theologian. This breaks my heart. Like I don't understand it. I really don't. It makes no sense to me what Jameis goes through. It made it made no sense what he went through in 2020 offseason. It makes and this makes no sense. I like I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's tough, you know. Like as as a person that that watched Jameis Winston, uh, had I have opportunities. I man, I, I've talked to his dad. You know, I mean, I talked to members of his team. It's kind of you know, it's, it's it's tough, you know, that they do that they did this. But you, we all know how football works. Sometimes you know, sometimes those coaches, sometimes these organizations, they want their players. They want a certain type of player. Um, and I just think that that probably was one of the main reasons as to why Dennis Allen decided that, you know, maybe it was the history between he and Derek Carr, uh, or maybe it's just the fact that Mickey just said, okay, you know, Dennis, I'm going to let you do things your way. You know, like you said, Mickey was, you know, focused on trying to build a team around Jameis Winston. Um, 
didn't pan out the way that they expected due to injuries and other things. And now he's just giving an opportunity for Dennis Allen, I guess, to run the team his way. So I guess that's what we're looking at uh, right here. Uh, but I, I do want to say once again, thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast coming here. Uh, you really just gave us a lot of food for thought, uh, some things that we need to think about. And uh, we appreciate uh, you, you stopping by and, you know, and, and, and clarifying some things for us. Always, man. I, listen, I have a lot of respect for you. I, I really do. I, I listen to I don't listen to all the NOLA media stuff like I listen to some now and then. Um, but I listen to a lot of your segments and I think you do a great job. I think like I think it's obvious that you're ethical. I think you're obviously trying to do the right thing. I don't think you're ever malicious in the stuff you say. I know sometimes people can get on you about certain things, but mm. I don't I don't get the the sense that you're ever maliciously doing anything. Um, so I respect that a lot about you. That's why I wanted to come on to you. I offered you this interview instead of anybody else. Um, and as far as like what you're saying too, like, I agree with it. And I, I see this one comment here by Tramal Molly Mall Kellup. Uh, I don't know who that is, but it says, let's not, <laughs> let's not tear down Carr because of his contract. We need Carr to help us win. And again, if anybody out there wants to search, you know, some of my old tweets, you'll see, I defended Andy Dalton all season. I really did. Like people would get on Dalton and I, and I would say, you know, don't be mean to Dalton. He didn't choose this. Mm. And the same thing for Carr. Derek didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for Derek. Derek did what was best for his family, and he got a, a mega contract. That's awesome for Derek, right? Yep. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. If he goes out there and, and whether he plays bad or plays good, like, there's no reason to hate on Derek just because you think Jameis is getting shafted. Like, I, I think Jameis is getting completely railroaded like nobody in the NFL history, but I don't wish ill on Derek Carr. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. Right. He's just he's just playing quarterback, trying to make you know make a living like everybody else. Mm. So no, I would I would ask everybody to love Derek. Everybody pray for Derek. You know, I, I don't want anybody to to dislike Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, I just want people to recognize sort of what happened to Jameis in 2020, that it was a humiliation ritual. What's happening now? I want them to understand, you know, there is injury history. It wasn't benched because he didn't play well. He was, but you know, he went to the bench because he was hurt. Like I just want people to be honest and and objective and I want them to value objective metrics over just subjective opinions that are thrown out. You mm. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what I want to say. And, and I do, I, I respect you a lot. I think you have a great show and, and uh, I'm, I'm always happy to come on and I, and I wish you all the best, man. I appreciate it. And, you know, I mean, here's, here's the thing, you know, I know some people, you know, they, they, they invite people on a show. Oh, you know, they think like me. They have the same feelings as me. I, I don't. I don't do those type of things. I, I, I'm open to hear any type of dialogue. You know that people, you know, have to offer. You know, there's there's times where you know there there's some things that you know I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, there's some things that I, I will agree with, but I respect anybody's ability uh, to say anything that they feel. Especially like you know, you come here, uh, you, you know, you have your analytics and everything like that. I mean, that's just the way that it goes sometimes. And me, you know, I mean, I tell everybody, I am I was born and raised in New Orleans. I grew up a Saints fan. Um, I'm passionate about what I do. I don't, I don't even do shows if I'm not, if there's no passion behind it. That's the reason why I don't schedule shows, right? But I love what I do. Uh, I try to stay true uh, to everybody that has supported me since day one. Um, I'm not looking to try to be a contrarian. If it comes out that way, it's out of passion or how I'm feeling at that particular time. But uh, that's what we built this show around, and uh, that's what I want to continue to do and um, continue to do what you're doing. You know, I mean, you 
you definitely uh, leave people with a lot of uh, things to think about. And uh, we appreciate you uh, stopping by and giving us that information. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I will say this Trell Hatch guy, I have no idea who he is. But at the end, he says, none of this was facts, though. It's all opinions. No, brother, no. You have to understand the difference between objective facts and subjective opinions. What I gave you is objective data. It cannot be refuted. No matter yeah. what happens, it will always be what it is, Mr. Trell Hatch. So these are not subjective opinions I'm spitting. They're objective facts, and there's a big difference. <laughs> well, I mean, well, sometimes, you know, when when you give out information, it's hard for people to accept, you know. But sometimes yeah. it is what it is. It's like if you don't want to accept 2 plus 2 is 4, guess what? It's always going to be that way. Hey, Amen. I love it. Until the end of time. So yep. you may not accept it, or, you know, you may try to kick against it. Um, and I, I and I'm not look. I've I've been watching the chat throughout the time. I mean, some of the things that that Trail said. I mean, I gotta agree with. You know, you gotta take winning into consideration. You gotta take health into consideration. Those are some things that I do agree with him. But like sometimes, you know, when you have analytics and research, like there's some things that you just can't kick against. You know, like rather you want to accept it or not. But uh, let, her, let everybody know how they can uh, get in touch with you uh, before you go. Oh, yeah. Just uh, on Twitter. I don't I think I do have somebody made me an account, I think, on Instagram. But anyways, I'm only on Twitter, really. Uh, at Jameis one of one, the number one OF one. Um, and feel free to shoot me a DM. My DMs are always open. Um, mm-hmm. I love having conversations, whether it's, you know, about the Saints, Jameis or even just quarterbacks in general, even life. Mm-hmm. I, I do a whole lot of religious debates and stuff in dms <laughs> don't don't really come at me online about that because my sports readers don't like it but feel free to dm me anytime about anything okay all right sounds good make sure that you follow james 101 on twitter and uh try to try not to get into an argument with him <laughs> all right but uh thank you so much i appreciate it thank you for your time thanks a lot brother have a great day all right take care yeah that was uh james 101 shots out to him um good stuff man look um I just want to say this and make this very clear. Um, I'm not trying to divide anybody. I seen some comments in the chat. I'm not trying to divide anybody, you know, um, you know, I'm just trying to bring individuals onto the show, uh, you know, be able to give us some information. Maybe we didn't know, uh, maybe, you know, be able to put something on our minds that we probably weren't thinking of. So, uh, that, that was, that's not my intent. Okay. Um, I would say that it's probably going to be <laughs> the last time that you bring some, I bring somebody on the show, some of you who may not agree with, but I'll be lying to you. You know, um, I, I have a personal obligation to the people that follow this show. Um, I want to make sure that I give you all the, the best show possible. I want to make sure I give you all the, the best information I possibly can. Uh, this isn't a knock on anybody. Anybody knows. I, I mean, I respect every single person out there you know that covers saints media um anybody that uh you know follows me knows that but you know like at the same time you know i, I try to i open up you know i open up for you know the i open up the the line for every single body you know what i'm saying there's, there's times where you're not going to agree with everything a person says you're probably not going to agree with what i say um but at the end of the day you know like we all are different you know we all have difference of opinions and uh, even if you don't agree with it, at the same time, you got to respect people's right uh, to to express themselves. And Jameis 101 did put research out there that, that we all can follow. I mean, it's up to you to accept that. 
And if you can find something different to maybe combat that, then I encourage you to follow him on Twitter and put it out there. Uh, but uh, let me go ahead and read. I'm going to read a few of your comments, and uh, then we'll go ahead and get up out of here. It says, what are your thoughts on Derek Carr saying winning a Super Bowl, when a Super is overrated? I Well, I would have to hear the context of that. Um, I didn't hear him say that. We the people, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I, I can't speak on something I didn't hear him say. Now, if he said that, okay, I'm saying if he said that, then, you know, the overall goal is to win a Super Bowl. That's what everybody aspires to do as an NFL player, to win a Super Bowl, right? Well, I won't say everybody, but the ones that really are passionate and care about winning, they want to win a Super Bowl. Now, I'm not going to mute me. The host of the podcast will mute you. Um, I don't know exactly who I'm muting. Um, I don't know exactly what, what was said in order for somebody to be muted, but uh, hey, uh, let's see. <laughs> Malik, uh, nobody has to care about what you care about. Y'all want to cry over broken glass and spill milk. Move on. Y'all love misery and misery loves company. I don't know what the heck is going on in the chat today. I don't care if the water boy put on a helmet and lead us to a win. I'm rolling with him till he starts losing. <laughs> hey, I'm the same way. Whoever the starting quarterback has my support. Uh, understood what I meant as he feels the need to take shots at car just to defend his uh, point on Jameis. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I have, I, me, I have respect for Derek Carr. I mean, I think I did a show where I compared Derek Carr to Drew Brees, and I had people mad at me over that. But I, I don't. <laughs> I, I got a lot of respect for Derek Carr. But you know, I mean, the analytics that Jameis One on One put out there, and it's saying that Jameis Winston statistically is, is better. You know, I mean, I'm a prime believer that sometimes the analytics don't always tell the entire story. I mean, I'm pretty sure. If you had a choice for your quarterback to throw for five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns, and have a first have a first round playoff exit versus throwing for twenty five hundred yards, twenty touchdowns, ten picks, and win a Super Bowl, I guarantee you're gonna go with the latter. Because it, it, to be honest, people care about winning, right? Like think about this. I mean, I know that. Patrick Mahomes had a historical season last year. He threw for 5,000 yards, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, how many yards did he throw for? Like, nobody cared, but everybody knows that he was a Super Bowl MVP. Everybody knows he won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's about winning. It's about winning at the end of the day. Like, Drew Brees could have put up all those yards and all that, but if he didn't win a Super Bowl back at Super Bowl 44, then guess what? You know, nobody, he would have just been an undersized quarterback that threw for a whole bunch of yards. You know, winning is, is you know, winning is the main thing. You know, it's, 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 it's the thing that, you know, is the, the ultimate deciding factor, you know. So, you know, but I have a lot of respect for Derek Carr. I, I mean, I think, you, you know, you got to take, you, you take analytics into the consideration, but, also, winning is the ultimate thing that matters. Elijah Moore may be on the trading block. Jets just signed another receiver and Miko Hartman. Well, that's great, man. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of things have happened uh, since the show. I think the Saints signed Ty Summers, if I'm not mistaken, the linebacker. Uh, so, uh, TJ, uh, know about football and he'll tell you. 
Uh, what are we what are we talking about here, Brandon? Uh, Brandon and let me see, Everbull, uh, no more than you. Well, I don't know if y'all are going back and forth. Look, man, this whole conversation isn't to divide everybody. This was to be informative. Like this wasn't like let let's stop this. Uh, let let's stop going back and forth about who the quarterback needs to be, who the quarterback is. Look, Derek Carr is the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Period. Like, no matter if you want Jameis to start, no matter if you want Taysom to start, Derek Carr is the Saints quarterback, and that's the guy that we need to support. Now, I understand that we have, some of us, you know, have our feelings about Jameis Winston, but at the end of the day, when August comes, when football is about to start, like, we are going to have to roll with Derek Carr because Derek Carr is going to be the guy that's going to help this team get to their ultimate goal. That's the guy that we're relying on. And going back and forth and talking about, oh, Jameis did this, oh, Derek did this, or Derek is better than Jameis, or Jameis better than Derek, it's not going to solve anything. Like, it's not going to solve anything. It's, it, and it is, this conversation is not to, like, to create a divide because we're all Saints fans at the end of the day. If you check, well, for the most part. All of us are Saints fans, right? And we want this team to win, right? And um, having these conversations that, you know, that affects us, like, you know what I'm saying, like emotionally, uh, is not the answer. You know, like sometimes people are going to say things that you don't agree with, but we got to respect a person's opinion uh, to express themselves and agree to disagree at the end of the day. And sometimes we got to know when to pick our battles too, all right? I know sometimes, like, we want to be right. And and I don't feel bad about saying this because I've been, you know, going back and forth with individuals, but I learned, like, it's hard to change a person's mind when their mind is already made up. And a lot of our minds are already made up. So why are we going back and forth to try to convince somebody whose mind is not going to waver, shake, to feel the way we do? It's just, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So the best thing for us to do is just agree to disagree and say who that and uh, keep moving, okay? Um, and uh, that, that's just the way that things need to go, right? So let's see. TJ, uh, get me and Brandon on the show. <laughs> oh, man. Why? So y'all can go back and forth? Like, nah, man, we ain't about to turn the State of Saints podcast into the Jerry Springer show. Oh, we ain't got to turn into the Maury show, okay? Look, going back and forth and all that, that ain't that ain't the answer. That ain't the answer, man. So, I, I don't, I'm, that's that's not, that's not my uh, MO, and it, it won't be my MO. So, you know, if y'all, if y'all can come on here and, and talk dip, uh, diplomatically and uh, let one person talk and then another person talk or something like that, fine. But the way that y'all going back and forth, Inevitable, I love you, man. You've been on the show a couple of times, but I want no part of that. None. No, no parts of that. It's all it's all positive vibes here. All right. I only kiss smart people. <laughs> uh please don't put inevitable and Brandon on the show. They can't stop talking in the chat. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I've been watching them the whole time. You know, we're gonna have to hit the old Jerry Springer music. Have me at the end of the show. Take care of yourself and each other. Have me having a final thought. Try to ease the tension. I'm good. Let's <laughs> uh, see. TJ uh, put up cards, records, win, uh, loss for every season he played, then Winston's. I think I already put that up, you know, but um, I, I, mean, I put up something like that. I mean, I, I put it up in um, Jameis 101 said that the 
you know, the analytics weren't, I mean, accurate, I guess, you know, but I did put it up uh, not too long ago. I can tell you, I can tell you what it's saying. I can tell you what it's saying. Like, and you take it with, you know, take it with a grain of salt from what I'm, from what I was told, uh, say that it wasn't accurate, but I'm only doing this from 2015 uh, to 2022. All right. Uh, let me see if I can go ahead and share this. I'll share it with you all. This is a uh, courtesy of uh, playercomparisons.com. And let me go ahead and see if I can share this screen here. Then we'll go ahead and get up out of here. All right. So here, here's the screen. I'm pretty sure everybody can see it right now. Let me make sure that you can. All right. All right. You can. All right. So what I'm doing here um, from 2015 on to the present, all right, is the comparison to Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. All right, so Derek Carr came into the league in 2014. Um, I didn't have that one checked because Jameis wasn't in the league yet. So what you have here, this, like I said, I mean, this is from NFLcomparisons.com. You find something else that can be different from this, feel free to send it to me, DM me. Uh, so Derek Carr has 123 games. Jameis has 86. Game started. Derek had 123. Jameis has 80. Wins as a starter, Derek has 59, Jameis has 34. Losses as a starter, uh, Derek has 64, Jameis has 46. So as a starter, Jameis is 34 and 46, according to this. And uh, Derek Carr is 59 and 64, all right? Ties as a starter, neither one of them have any. Winning percentage, Derek Carr, 0.48, Jameis, 0.425. Uh, pass completions, Derek Carr has 2,806. Jameis has 1738. 1738. Hey, I say hello, hello. <laughs> Passing attempts of 4,271. Uh, Jameis has 2,835. Uh, completion percentage 65.7 to Jameis 61.3. Passing yards 31,410 to Jameis 21,840. Pass, uh, passing touchdowns, 192 and 139. Touchdown percentage, 4.5 for Derek, 4.9 for Jameis. Interceptions thrown, 81 for Derek, 96 for Jameis. Interception percentage, 1.9 for Derek, 3.4 for Jameis. Game-winning drives, 32 for Derek, 13 for Jameis. Uh, yards per uh, average attempt, 7.4 for Derek, 7.7 for Jameis. Adjusted yards per pass attempt, 7.4. Jameis, 7.2. Yards gained pass completions, 11.2 to 12.6. Yards gained per game average, 20, uh, 255.4 for Derek, 254 for Jameis, and quarterback rating, 94.6 for Derek, and 87.5 for Jameis Winston. So, uh, once again, this is from NFLcomparisons.com. Take it with a grain of salt um it is what it is you know i'm just reading what they have on there if you find something different feel free to put it out there if, if you don't feel like the, the numbers were accurate all right um but that there, there it is uh tj zoning out <laughs> now nah, when they when they had that 1738 on there it just made me, made me think about freddy wap <laughs> 1738 hey i say hey what's up hello sit your <laughs> oh man hey man you gotta laugh sometime man especially like on a show like this like cut some tension uh great guess tj uh great points 
uh by both of y'all. I don't even think I, I yeah, I don't even think I said too much. <laughs> this actually was a good show, man, because you know, sometimes like you gotta think about some of the questions you're gonna ask the 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 guests, but you know, James 101, you know, he uh you know, he, you know, he, I didn't really have to ask too much. You know, he was uh he kind of just you know checked every box. All right. But I need to ease some tension, man. I need to, I need to go ahead and ease some tension. Uh so I just think that this is necessary. the smooth stylings of turf toe but i want to say thank you all for checking out the state of the saints podcast shots out to james 101 for stopping by shots out to each and every one of you all right uh shots out to everybody in the chat man show some love man and man before we go everybody put a heart down in the chat because it's all love at the end of the day don't want to leave on a bad note shots out to everybody here if you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast, hit that like button. If you want to, you know, support the show, go ahead and put that heart down there because it's all love. Uh, also want to give a special shout out to uh, everybody that may wanted to go into the chat the way things were going, but probably was at the gym or probably was at work or probably was in traffic. Man, wherever you are, wherever you may be, thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Man, we are really, really close to hitting 10,000 subscribers. I mean, really, really close. So if you have not hit that subscription button, if you have not pressed subscribe yet, please do so, okay? And you can also check out previous episodes that are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, and now a part of Megaphone FM because we are a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. So make sure you follow Belly Up as well on Twitter and also follow me. T-J-A-Y Jones 8. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that?